you know, and and especially if if Christmas is a hard time, maybe things have um, difficult have happened at Christmas for you. And it can be even di- more difficult when you see everybody else around you is celebrating and laughing and partying, and it just makes you feel even worse. Like, like why can't I feel like that? Or why do I feel so blue? And I know some of you are in a difficult time this Christmas. It's the first Christmas with, uh, without someone you love. Or maybe things have changed. Traditions have, have changed. You know, family dynamics or kids have moved away or moved to different places. So Christmas comes with its own difficulty at times. And even especially as we celebrate, as we focus in on Advent, uh, the fact that Jesus has come, and as amazing as that is, and the fact that he is coming again, and yet here we are in between. We live in the middle of it when there are wars, there are things, there's economic uh, trouble in, in Canada, there's difficulty even in our own homes and our community. Do we have these mix of good and bad this time of year. Things that are really great and fun and joyful and things that are difficult. So I've been listening to Isaiah chapter 11. If you would, pull out your Bibles. Open to Isaiah chapter 11. or It's also in the bulletin insert as well. And listen, listen to what he says. So Isaiah speaking, he says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, the young will lie down, their, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like an ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and a young child will put his hand over the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. And that day the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. I read this prophecy from Isaiah of what it will be like, of this amazing king that will come from a line of kings, that he will be righteous and just, that the Spirit of the Lord will be on him. But let's take a, let's take a look at this passage and, and break it down. So the first thing that Isaiah, he begins with, he says that a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. For those of you whose uh, Bible history is a little foggy, Jesse was the father of David, one of the greatest kings, maybe the greatest king uh, under Christ, the greatest king of Israel. People celebrated David for centuries and his kingdom line. And it's interesting because David came, he was a shepherd. He came from very humble beginnings. He wasn't groomed in the palace, he was raised in the fields. And he came and became king. And it's interesting because Matthew and Luke make sure that we know that Jesus came from the line of David. That he was born in Bethlehem, the city of David. That Jesus is this great king who comes from a great family. 
But there's even more. Isaiah says that the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of Yahweh, will rest on him. And I think immediately of Jesus' baptism. When Jesus comes up out of the water and the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. And you hear this voice from heaven saying, This is my Son, whom I love, and Him I'm so pleased. And it talks about the Spirit, that the Spirit will give Him a spirit of, of wisdom and of understanding. Being able to discern what's right and wrong, what's good in the right direction. A spirit of counsel and of might, that He'll be a great leader. And a spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And it's interesting how those two go together. Knowledge and understanding and fear of the Lord or reverence a deep reverence for the Lord God. And we see all of these things coming together in Jesus. That he was equipped with this great spirit. Equipped with this family line, this family heritage of being king. And this is how he enters our world. As king. With his spirit on him. But Isaiah tells us more. He says that not only how he will, or the, the things that he will come with, but also the way that he will rule. He talks about he won't uh, rule by or make judgments by what he sees with his eyes or by what he hears with his ears, but by something deep inside him, the spirit. By this, this innate understanding of what's right and what's just. And it says too that he will uh, slay the wicked with a breath from his lips. That not only will he know what's right and will he protect the weak and those who are on the margins and those who are poor and need help, but he also put the proud and the powerful in their place. We see glimpses of this throughout Jesus' ministry as he walked the earth. I was thinking about it this week, about the ways that, about the woman who was caught in adultery and we see his grace for that woman. Whoever has no sin, let them throw the first stone. And they all walk away. And he says, Woman, there's none here to stone you. There's none here who condemn you. Neither do I. Go and sin no more. We see his grace and his compassion. Or I think about the woman who washed his feet with her hair at that dinner party. Remember the Pharisees, the proud, the powerful around him were saying, You know, if he knew who was touching him, and he did know who she was, and yet he had grace and compassion for her. Healing, sick. Think of the woman who had bleeding for 12 years. I mean, in our society, that's just a mental illness, you know, and maybe a cause of trouble. But in that society, it made her unclean. It means that no one would touch her. Her family would, would basically kind of shun her and put her out. She was embarrassing because somehow God was punishing her. And Jesus heals her, this weak and poor woman, and brings her back into the fullness. It's like in the first time in her life, she could actually go to the temple how Jesus would heal and he would bring justice and judgment for the poor and for the weak. But he's also quick to put the Pharisees in their place, the people who thought they knew it all, the ultra-religious. Or what about the, the rich, wealthy man who comes to him and says, Lord, what do I need to do to obtain eternal life? He says, I've kept all the laws. I've done it all. What do you think, Jesus? He says, don't go and do this. It's true, you've kept the law. But go, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And then come follow me. And the man walks away brokenhearted. Jesus had this amazing way of, of this, this deep 
innate sense of what's right and what's wrong, in terms of God's sense of what's right and wrong. And he would help the poor and the weak, and he would put the proud in their place. And it's true, and in this time on earth, we see it, and we, catch, we keep going to it, we keep telling those stories so that we know how to do that. Because we live in between. Between the time of his first coming and his second. And sometimes I get discouraged because his justice, the way that he would care for the weak and the poor, the way that he would care for the people on the margins, the way he'd put the proud in their place. Sometimes we see it. Sometimes we still catch glimpses of it. But sometimes it looks like things are still broken. A lot of the time, we look around us and it looks like things are still broken. Like the proud, they take advantage of people and they get away with it. The weak get stepped on and nobody comes to help them. But the day is coming. The day is coming when it will be made right. When he will again make justice. He will make judgments for the poor and bring justice to those who are on the margins and weak. And he will put the proud in their place. I look forward to that day. Keep praying, Lord, please humble me so I'm not one of the proud. But it talks about not only the way that he will reign, but actually what his reign will bring. I mean, listen to this. The wolf will lie down with the lamb. Bitter enemies. Wolves eat lambs. And he says the wolf will lie down with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. The young, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like an ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. Isaiah is trying to convey to us, or he's hearing or seeing this vision of peace, the fullness of God's peace. You know, I think oftentimes we think of, of Jesus returning again, and we think mainly in terms of my personal redemption, like I'll be saved, like I'll be right with God. Or maybe in our better moments we think about humanity. Humanity will be made right with God, which is true and right. But this image that Isaiah is seeing, it reminds us that when Christ comes again, all of creation will be made right. All of creation will be restored to the beautiful thing that it was before all sin came and wrecked it all. It would fundamentally change the way even animals relate to each other. Wolves and lambs. They will lie down together. No longer one eating the other. He even talks about lions eating straw like an ox. Gentle. I'm encouraged by this. I hear these words and I look forward. And you know, I think about everything that I've been reading and I was realizing this week that all of this comes by God's doing. You know, not once in there does it say by humanity's strength or by their logic or by their reason. Everything comes from the Lord. Even the Spirit, the Spirit of, of Yahweh will be on His King. It comes from the Lord. And it talks about Jesus and it talks about, or at least His King that I see is Jesus. And He, and he talks about that He will wear a belt of righteousness and He'll wear a sash of, of faithfulness. And it's interesting, I was looking into this and it talks about, um, um, I was kind of like, what is that imagery of? You know, in, in, in the ancient world, your belt and your sash were kind of like things that you used to tie everything together. And some scholars wonder if it's maybe like the underwear, kind of like the basis for everything. 
or if it's more like a belt or a sash. And I was kind of thinking more like a belt and a sash that goes around the outside. And that, that Christ has this coat made of attributes like compassion and mercy and justice and grace. He has this coat made of this and that everything's kind of hanging down and then he uses uh, righteousness as a belt to kind of tie it all together. Or a sash to hold all of these amazing attributes of God together. This is the foundation of our Lord. Righteousness and faithfulness. And I start thinking about this and I start becoming hopeful. I'm hopeful in Christ's return and what his return means for us now. It stirs up hope in me. And as Christians, never let us belittle hope. Hope is powerful. Hope is good, especially when we hope in our Lord and in his return. Because I think of how hope begins to work joy in us. You know, I talked about at the beginning how Christmas can be difficult. Sometimes things are not what they're supposed to be this time of year. Family, maybe someone we love is no longer with us. Maybe things are wrong in our family or our kids have moved farther away. But our hope gives us joy. Our hope in the Lord gives us joy even when things are difficult. Many of you know our story, things happening in our family right now. Tracy uh, has just finished her last round of chemo about a week and a half ago after finding out that she had breast cancer in, in the summer. And I was thinking of these images of joy and I was thinking of uh, a couple weeks ago, we went to the Glory Boys concert. And some of you were there too. We went to the concert, and and it was funny because, you know, like at concerts, oftentimes, like the front row is usually young, beautiful women, and and um, the the guy who's the lead singer used to sing for a really popular Christian band, so he's probably used to seeing, you know, you know, beautiful women, probably in their teens and twenties, all yelling and screaming and loving what he's singing. But that night. The front row was women, but they were all about 10 to 13 years old. <laughs> and they were having the most amazing time and yelling and screaming and, and, and having a joy. And I was thinking about, um, actually, one of the boys said, Dad, I need to go to the washroom. So I take him back. And I, and I didn't want to walk up during the middle of the song, so they go sit down. And I'm standing there, and most everyone else is seated. Or seated. Or is seated. And, and I see Tracy up there. Um, and they're playing like kind of a uh, bluegrass song, and and all the little girls are square dancing and twirling each other around. I see Tracy up there as well, dancing with the girls. And you know she's, um, you know, part of chemo is that you lose uh, your hair, especially hair on your head. And um, and she's at first she was a little bit self-conscious about it. You know, she's often wearing toques, and she's wearing a toque right now. And but she was having a hot flash, hot flashes, and it was, it was hot in there already. And so she's up there. Her toque is off. Her, you know, it's just her out there. And you see joy, like this image of joy. You know, because sometimes I think we confuse joy with happiness. You know, we confuse joy with my circumstances. You know, if my circumstances are good, then I'm happy. But joy is that thing that keeps welling up inside of us even when things are difficult. It was, we, it was the 28th when we had when that concert was. On the 1st, she had her last chemo. You know, on the, the weekend before, those of you who have had chemo or those of you who have friends, like, she would start anticipating it. You know, so the weekend before, we'd often go out and do something because she kind of knows what's coming. 
But still, on that Saturday night at that concert, she was dancing with the girls. And it was a picture of, of joy for me. And so I say that today, you know, I know that things are going wrong in our world. I know that there's still tons of things broken, like in the Middle East and, and refugees in Europe, and, and there's tension in other parts of the world. I know. But I say this morning, let us rejoice in our hope. I know that things are difficult even here in Canada. I mean, many of you have family who live in, in Alberta. And it sounds like things are really getting difficult. It sounds like they're only going to get more difficult over the next year. I know that things are difficult around us, but let us rejoice. Let us rejoice in our hope that Christ is coming. He's coming again. I know that even in our community, I mean, we know of people in our community who, who are... People, like there's families with abuse. There's families with neglect. There's families who are barely making ends meet. Let us rejoice in our hope in the Lord. And you know I don't say that lightly. I'm not saying paper over the things that are difficult. I'm saying let us rejoice regardless of how difficult things might be because of our hope in the Lord. I know that some, even some of you, there, things are difficult in your family right now. Maybe money is tight right now. I know for this time of year, it's really tight for a lot of families. Let us rejoice in our hope in the Lord. I know that some of you have difficulty in your families. I know that some of the families in our church, that marriages are difficult. Kids are, there's things that are happening with your kids that make it hard. Or your parents, decisions you have to make. Let us rejoice in our hope in the Lord. I know that there's things all over, all sorts of things that are happening. But we have an amazing God. An amazing God who, who has put his spirit on his great king, our Lord Jesus Christ. He's given him a spirit of knowledge and of wisdom, of counsel and might, and, and knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he's given them this amazing belt of righteousness and this sash of faithfulness to wear, and he will bring peace. This is the good news that we have. This is the good news that shapes our entire lives. Let us rejoice.